You're listening to Denver Orbit. Episode 18. Space is the place. Oh yes. Listen to this. Get ready to tell you about a story. About the street scene. Right down the East Tech Freeway. Hello and welcome to Denver Orbit, an award-winning audio magazine featuring voices, stories, and music from Colorado's creative community. So uh, here's the thing that happened. Denver Orbit was just named the best podcast of 2018 by Westward Magazine. This is a huge honor to me. More than that, though, it's a testament to just how great the amazing people who have been on the show really are. Obviously, this show could not exist at all without the writers, musicians, and poets, and just all-around interesting people who are creating things in this city. So, mostly, the Best of Award really belongs to everyone who's contributed to the show so far, and to everyone who's listening. So, thank you to Westward for the award, and, and thanks again for everyone listening and contributing to the show. I'm excited to see what we can do together in the future. And speaking of contributing to the show, did you know that you can? Yes, you. I'll bet you have a song or a story or a cool thing that you want to share. Drop me a line at denverorbit at gmail.com or go to denverorbit.com and fill out the submission form and uh, let's get something going. Finally, we have a live show this Friday. That's April 6th if you're listening from the future and it's already over. But the live show will have our resident advice column, Mary McHugh, who's going to co-host with me. Kelly Short and Queer will tell us a story. Carl Christian Crumpholes will narrate some of his cartoons. And Bonnie Weimer will play some songs. It's going to be great. So let's get on to today's show then. We've got an exploration from designer Rick Griffith, a song from Bonnie Weimer, and some cartoons from Carl Christian Crumpholes. Let's go ahead and get started with Rick Griffith. About a year ago, I went to his studio to hear about a new project he's starting. It's called the Black Astronaut Research Project, or BLARP. It uses science fiction as a way to explore race in the future. I'll let him take it from here. I've watched a good amount of science fiction in my life. Science fiction is the place where we've got choices to envision the near future, the far future. And then of course at this, you know, sort of ripe old age, the opportunity to be with what we thought the future would be in the past is very special. My name is Rick Griffith. I'm a designer, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a parent, I'm a widow. In my mind, I mean, I, the reason why I state all these things at the same time is because the same person shows up to work every day as a dad, as a designer, sometimes as a widow. I, the whole person evolves, but, you know, the same person shows up all the time. So I do all those things. My favorite thing to say used to be, uh, this is how we used to dance in the future. And that is a reference to the rope lights that people danced with 
in Buck Rogers in the 25th century, the television series. And I, I did spend some time like watching that show, like really investing uh, science fiction sort of future thinking into that show. And now that I'm so much older and now that we're, you know, sort of in the future, we're not in the 25th century, but you know, that, that future is as plausible as any other future right now. Us dancing with like sort of outdoor rope lights that they make at Ikea <laughs> seems weird. <laughs> and it seems also less, somehow, just less special and less science fiction-y. But at the same time, like our connection between science fiction and science fact, it's a weird one. And this, and this project kind of like bounces and touches into that space. It, it kind of reminds us that our science fiction could be our science future, which will eventually become science fact. If we imagine things, you know, this is just part of what our species does. In this, in this project, you know, like, I'm trying to marry a bunch of things together. I'm trying to marry my love of, of many things together. And the first thing is this realization that, like, it doesn't matter what I think of myself, to the, to the world, to the outside world, to the world that doesn't know me, to the people walking down the street, I'm pretty much a black man in America. Even if I see myself as a British West Indian, an immigrant, a black man that happens to be in America versus an African American. I mean, even if I see myself in all these complex, different sort of identity sort of themes and memes, I'm really, like when it comes down to it, to most people at face value, I'm, I'm an African American. I've been interested in looking at black people in science fiction for a long time, and in this last calendar year, what happened was I started using a couple of different opportunities to talk about science fiction in my lecture circuit stuff, like when I go out and lecture about design or talk about typography or whatever. And I introduced uh, Ricardo Montalban, which is my namesake. And, uh, and his roles in a couple of really key science fiction narratives. One of them being um, The Planet of the Apes. He's in Apes 4 and 5 uh, as Armando, the circus owner, and plays a critical role in the raising of Caesar as the young intelligent ape and sacrifice one of his apes for, for Caesar's life. And that's, you know, um, one. And then the other one is Khan in Star Trek. And, and it's anecdotal stuff. It's like stuff like, hi, my name is Rick Griffith. You don't even know who I am, so that's cool because I'm on sort of the CUD list of, of speakers, speakers in graphic design. But, but like, I was just giving people some anecdotal information about me and how I think, like a really nice introduction to how I think, and I connect a lot of things together. And so I said I'm named after this guy, and I would talk about his role in Apes 4 and 5, and then I would talk about Mr. Rourke in and, and Fantasy Island. I would talk about his major roles. And I would also talk about my fascination with the Planet of the Apes as a, as a narrative. And then it just bounces into this one small part of that theme. And that is that the first black man as an astronaut in a motion picture in America is the black actor in the Planet of the Apes film. For humans land on what would be Earth in the future, but by spacecraft, hence astronaut. And uh, one of them's a woman, 
but she's dead. She dies in stasis on the way. There are uh, two white men and one black man. The first white astronaut, we can always just come, you know, just reconcile with Charlton Heston's character. We'll call him the Alpha because we don't talk about him anymore. The second, um, about 15 minutes through the film, gets captured. And we later see him as being lobotomized by Dr. Zayas and potentially also the two other ape caretaker doctors. So we see him lobotomized. And then the black character, the black astronaut, Burton, he is not lobotomized necessarily, but we suspect some, some tests were done on him. He's taxidermied into an exhibit in like what appears to be an ape museum that we encounter later in the film. Of course, when I'm talking about this, like at a graphic design conference, I'm not really going into super detail about this part. I'm just saying first black astronaut, blah, blah, blah. And there's even a black astronaut in one of the still frames for Wrath of Khan. And I put a label on that in the picture and I say, he's a black astronaut, more on this later. But there is a black astronaut present in that show too. It just didn't happen in 1968. So it's not exactly as significant as the Planet of the Apes film. And, and in this, you know, sort of, I tease out this notion that we should be attentive to the idea that there are black astronauts. So I use that to begin the lecture and I'd sort of talk a little bit about black astronauts. And I talk and I say the word LARP. And I try and just give people just the tiniest chance to hang on to it, to hitch their notes to it, to capture those words. I don't make a really big deal out of it because it's not much of a website right now. It's beginning to be. I've always felt like things need foundation. They need like really good intention set around them so that more people can join in and have fun. That's like sort of part of my design approach. So what I did with Blarp right away was I started working on the manifesto. But the idea, the idea for it comes out of also some science fiction love, some science fact love, some science love, and also just kind of a hope that we can rise above the mundanity of bigotry, the normalization of dissent. Just, you know, because it's, because it's loud. There's a, there's a kind of loudness to the world right now but it doesn't seem specific. It seems like just really noisy and people are just like, what do I do? I'm super frustrated. And if, if I had it my way, I would just kind of sit people down and say, the world doesn't need that. You know, the world needs more ways to connect to just a positive argument that expresses just just how equal we all can be, just how connected we all can be. And so BLARP, which is called, you know, it's the Black Astronaut Research Project, started as a way of kind of looking at 
our current challenges to think about uh, our liberal beliefs, our liberal lifestyles, our liberal existence, our democracy, um, the things that we think are in danger, you know, the stuff that we like feel is changing in our way of life that we are already nostalgic for. But I think I'm just trying to find a really productive way of processing this kind of stress. And so the Black, the Black Astronaut Research Project says that um, we are documenting the biographical nuance, the identities of um, both fictional and actual black astronauts, men and women. Um, and just for the record, you know, the, very specifically in the fictional realm, the two areas that we don't cover are um, animated and aliens. Also true to those science fiction narratives, of course, is the one that says that there's science fact which means there are, there are 14 black astronauts that NASA has you know, worked with over the years. 15 or, or more have been uh, astronaut trained, uh, 14 have gone up. But the idea of celebrating the narratives of both actual black astronauts and then the narratives of the characters, the characters are terrific. Just as a reference point for one of them, right? Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Clifton Jones who plays a character called David Cano in a Jerry Anderson television series called Space 1999. And he was around in the, that show aired in 1975. And his particular relationship, I mean, all the way through, right? So first of all, he's sort of a, uh, he's an ensign, um, but he's also a computer specialist. And his whole character in this television series is a person who has been augmented by 20th century computers in order to have a superior logical or analytical intellect, like right mathematical intellect, um, than other humans. And that's his character. That's a terrific, it's a terrific sort of piece in the world of black astronauts because not only is there like the notion of what it takes to be an astronaut, but it's also in the character building parts of these serials, you get to have all this character development stuff kind of fall into space. And, and you go, he's what? He's part computer? And then we think about space 1999 has already happened. So the moon has not been blown out of its orbit by accident and isn't hurtling through space, right? And right. there is no moon base alpha and there is no David Cano, but David Cano in this show was augmented by a 20th century computer. <laughs> not a 21st century computer, not an iPhone, but a 20th century computer. So fantastic an yeah. idea. And so, and so there are characters like that which, which contribute something to, to reminding us that if we imagine a future with everybody in it, it gets really interesting. And that's a part of Blarp's kind of goal is to 
celebrate the fictional, celebrate the actual, and connect people to a future that was imagined by people who believed that everyone was in it. And that future is the one that we need to hang on to. Not the future where the gap is divided, the gap is growing, the gap is growing, poor and rich, wealthy and poor, you know, like not that conversation, not that narrative of like scarcity. But what ends up being a narrative of abundance, if we look at science fiction, a narrative where everyone kind of suffers the same micro-microscopic, nanoscopic significance. Whereas right now, we're in this crisis of individuality and individual rights and special interest groups and differences and otherness. If we take a quick look at the manifesto itself, it says, if we see the institution of slavery in America and with it, the pain and suffering endured over time by all people is a cultural black hole. Then we must also know that there are only two ways to escape its gravitational toe. That there are only two possible forces which can bring us from the darkness. They will be its destruction and its great end. One, love. Two, space travel. When we come to that as a goal, what we're really trying to do is say that there must be another narrative for us. And the narrative that I'm choosing to express beauty and love and humanity through is this notion of space travel. And it asserts one basic truth. There is no improper specimen of the human race that has ever been put into outer space. It promises that. That's what BLARP does. It asserts a simple, indelible truth that there is no improper specimen of the human race that has been ever put into space. And that's why we're equal. When I think about that goal, and when I think about that future, I'm thinking about all of us. I'm thinking about us all kind of moving forward together. You can put me in a bubble if you want to. I just don't think that you can hate the hate out of people. I think that that's just a, as a foolish, foolish errand. You have to love the hate out of people. You have to love and educate the heck out of people. And um, this is just, uh, this is this project is one way that I think I satisfy both my interest in serving people with content or interesting uh, anecdotal information. It's a way that I celebrate who I really am and where I come from and what I'm a part of. And it's also a way of me being like in touch with a future which is not dark and grim, but this is my optimism. And optimism is aware of skepticism. Optimism is completely aware of skeptics and doesn't care.
Rick Griffith is the founder of Matter Design Studio. Matter is a uniquely strange place, compelled by craft, steeped in history, and deeply dedicated to letters and words. You can learn more at morematter.com. And you can see more about the Black Astronaut Research Project at blarp.org. That's B-L-A-R-P dot org. Next, we have a song from an old friend of mine, Bonnie Weimer. This song is called Pajama Top Man.
Bonnie Weimer is a singer-songwriter, banjo player, and all-around great person. You can see more from her at Bandcamp, and of course, she'll be at the live show on Friday. And as a complete non-sequitur, did you know we have a Facebook page? We do. We also have an Instagram page for some reason. I've been told it's useless, but it's fun. Just search for Denver Orbit at either of those places. And last up is another tease from our live show, a couple of cartoons from Carl Christian Krumpholz. This piece is called My Drinking Buddies. Let me tell you, I loved whiskey. My friends and I were the terror of the neighborhood, getting into fights and drinking bars dry. I loved my mates. We were brothers. I'd say I'd remember all the good times, but like being 86, blackouts were frequent. And then it all ended. I got sick. Pancreatitis. I couldn't drink anymore. Uh, however, I wouldn't let it change me. I still hung out with my mates. At our bar. All the while keeping sober. However, it didn't take me long to realize that after years of knowing them, I actually hated my drunk friends. This piece is called Please. I actually overheard this story at a, at a bar on Colfax. An old man at the end of the bar was talking into his cell phone. No, I understand. Yes. I heard you. I said, I understand. No, I'm not senile. I mean it. But please, listen. Yeah, I heard that. No, no, I'm sorry. Don't believe me? The Bible is about forgiveness. I know I've done stuff wrong, but... Can't we just start over? Yeah, yeah. You were a beautiful woman. If you wanted to hurt me, keep singing all those sad songs. Can I see you? Please, talk to me. I dream about you. Please. Award-winning cartoonist Carl Christian Krumpholz's work has appeared in many different publications and even a documentary. He is currently working on two different weekly comics, The Denver Bootleg, which examines local history for Denver's Westward newspaper, 
and the truest tales of various lives in the city in 30 Miles of Crazy. Carl is always looking for a better place to get a drink. His latest comic, An Introduction to Alcohol, won Best in Show at the 2017 Denver Comic and Arts Expo, Dink. And he'll be at the 2018 Denver Comic and Arts Expo, Dink, this year. You can always find his work in Westward at carlchristiancrumpholes.com or on Twitter at carlcrumpholes and on Instagram at carlchristiancrumpholes and on Facebook at carl.christian.crumpholes. And that's all for today's show. Don't forget to join us live if you can at MCA Denver. And if you don't make it there, we'll have some more live shows coming up in the future. Denver Orbit is produced and edited by me, Josh Madison, and I will see you again in two weeks. <laughs>